No matter if they treat me right, no matter if I feel like doing it, whatever, it's a command literally that God gives us that says no matter what, well, we better see what he says, no matter what about. Nevertheless, let each one of you as husbands, is the thought right there, in particularly, so love his own wife as himself. And it goes on to say, and let the wife seize that she respects her husband. Love and in love and in respect, we see the deepest need of both male and female. Not wrong, just different. Put your glasses on today and we're going to go through the little routine. If you would, close your left eye. What do you see? Red. Close your right eye. What do you see? Blue. Why is it that you see red and why is it that you see blue? I'll tell you why. Because on the glasses you have, you have different colored lenses. We said it last week, if you're seeing blue when we're seeing red and you're seeing red when we're seeing blue, then just hang with us. You just don't know your left and right, but just stay there with us. Just blink and flitly your eyes till you find out with us. Okay, you can take them off. Why do we use these glasses? Because it's a great object lesson for each one of us to understand that through the world, through life, a lady sees things in red. She hears things through red hearing aids. She speaks through a red megaphone, which is great. And we discovered that, that it's great and awesome. Good job, ladies. But there's another side. And the other side is blue. And that is the male side because men see things through blue. They hear things through blue. And they speak through blue. That's where the problem is. Because we speak, hear, and see things in a different way. Literally a different color. That the world looks, hears, sounds completely different from a man's perspective to a woman's perspective. So what we've got to do is we've got to realize God's not going to change us because he made us male and female. That's good. And that's God's design. So what we've got to learn is how to decode our differences. Because if we don't decode the differences, we're going to live a life on the crazy cycle. That we're going to negatively respond to each other. We discovered the thought, or we talked about the thought, well, who moves first? Who breaks the cycle? And the answer to that was the most mature one. Kelly told me last night, she said, if you don't tell the people this, don't bother coming home today. No, she didn't say that. 
Kelly said, you just make sure and tell everyone that I'm the most mature in our relationship. And I looked at her and laughed. She said, you don't think so? I says, no. Because there's times when she's definitely a whole lot more mature than me, but there's times where I'm more mature. Why? Because here's the thought. We can turn around and say this. Well, I'm just trying to prove a point. I'm just trying to show them. I'm just trying to make them sweat just a little bit. But you know what? One thing I've discovered is this. Through you allowing your marriage to stay on the crazy cycle and not breaking, you're not proving something to anyone. You're not showing them. Basically, all you're doing is you are destroying your marriage. And you've got to see that. Well, I'm just going to make them suffer. Think about the person that you want to suffer. That's the person that you made a vow before God that you were going to love and to cherish no matter what. Come on, we've got to start seeing this in a new light because we're not proving anything. We're just destroying. We're giving the devil a foothold into our marriages as we're spinning out of control on the crazy cycle. You may be sitting beside your spouse and thinking these words today. Well, I screwed up and I should have never married him. I should have never married her. Well, guess what? It's too late. I mean, it's too late. You did, so now what is the choice? The choice is this, that you can take a marriage that's bad and make it a whole lot better. And you can take a marriage that's good and you can make it great in God. As you put into play, I believe, these principles, breaking the crazy cycle, because everything that we have talked about up till today and including today is completely doable if we want to. The choice is how much do we want to do it. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take dedication. It's going to take energies. But you know, anything that that is of value to you is something that you're willing to put in the investment. So last week we talked all about her. We talked about love, how she spells love. And we went through this on Wednesday night and I'm going to give it to you today. And if you've got your notes, you can fill in the blanks with this. But it says this, a husband spells love to his wife when? Okay, this is how a husband spells love to his wife. When you want to be with her face to face. That's the closeness. She wants that face time. When you aren't secretly mad at her, when you're not open with her, because that stands for openness, when you're not open with her and you say, just drop it and move on, she can't handle that because she thinks she's the fault and she's the problem. She may be the fault and the problem, but you know what? If you cut her off, there can never be reconciliation and healing. And we'll see that she can't handle that too. So we go on and we see the third part is this, when you empathize with her, she wants understanding. She doesn't always want a solution. But what we can give them in the first five minutes of a conversation, it takes them three hours to get to the same conclusion. But she just needs that sometimes. Come on, how many this week have used that line, sweetheart, do you want a solution or do you just want me to listen to you? David has. Trey had to use that one before he even got home from church last Sunday and his wife said, you better... Listen to me. But it's cool. It works. So we go on to the fourth part. We see peacemaking. She wants to resolve and reconcile. She wants you to resolve and reconcile. When you do that, she feels love. She feels that she's valued. The fifth part is when you are completely loyal to her. Loyalty. She needs to know that you have eyes for no one else except her. 
I hope today when you came to church that you looked at your wife in the car and you said, babe, you look hot today. Come on. I pray you did. And if you didn't say that, then you need to get some heat into your marriage again. Amen. Get some fire back in that boiler. You need to start looking at your wife with those gaga goo goo eyes again. You can turn around and say, well, she doesn't look like she did when I married her. Well, if you looked in the mirror lately, you don't look like you did either. Come on. And everyone said, ouch, in the house. Number six, we see that she wants esteem when she knows that you treasure her, honor her. And this is so important because we read last week in 1 Peter 5, I believe it was, where it talks about that we are to honor our wives. If not, our prayers will be hindered. That literally we can shut the connection between God and ourselves by dishonoring those, our wives, our spouses, that God has given to us. So we see we're not wrong, we're just different. Put your glasses on again because I want you to close that eye again. Which one is it? The left eye and you'll see. Close the left eye and you're going to see red. We saw that last week. We saw the closeness, the openness, the understanding, the peacemaking, the loyalty. And the esteem, but close the right eye, and today we're going to see blue. We're going to see the respect aspect, that which a man sees. Take your glasses off. Today, we need to realize that respect is just as important as love. We live in a love-dominated world. You go to Hallmark, you go to any of the grocery stores, and you see the cards that are on the shelf. Very few cards say, I really respect you. It's all about love. It's all about cherishing, all about kindness and all that, which is great if you look through red. But as guys, we need the respect aspect. And as a result, we have focused so much on love, the other side of the equation has been neglected so much and so overlooked. And as a result, the deepest need of a man has very seldom been met. Wednesday, we used a statement that went like this, the key to motivating someone is to meet their deepest need. The key to motivating anyone is to meet their deepest need. If we want to connect with our husbands in a greater way, we've got to motivate them through meeting their deepest need. We've got to discover what it is, not what Red sees, what she hears and what she speaks. That's important. But also, what does a man see here? What What does he stand for in his life? Remember the diet book that we've been talking about over the last few weeks? That the husband buys the diet book. Listen, guys, don't bother. If you haven't bought your wife a diet book yet, just forget it and don't do it. Why? Because she's not looking at that as a good idea. In fact, to her, you've just signed your death sentence in the house. Okay? But you see, what's happening here is he's heard that she wants this diet. He's heard her complain about she's overweight and needs to do this. She's seen the commercials. She's heard about it. All she's talked about for the last three weeks, if only I could get that book or do that. He's just trying to help. But what happens? You see, it's so easy for a man to pass judgment on his wife of how she responds. Why? Because the problem she sees... And his is not the same what he sees in his. 
Why? Because he's not vulnerable there. Most guys are not vulnerable when it comes to the image of themselves. Why? Because guys, come on, let's be honest. We can go in that mirror anytime and bring Mr. Muscle out. Come on, guys, you know what I'm talking about. He's in there. Sometimes he's really deep, but we can try and find glimpse of him every time. We don't struggle. so much. That's not a vulnerability necessarily to us. But you know what? What are sometimes a wise vulnerabilities can be our strengths. And what can be vulnerabilities to us can be her strength. So we've got to realize that we've got to begin to respond in the right manner to each other. Our response may not come natural at first. It's not easy as a guy to look at your wife sometimes in the face and have that face time. It feels awkward. It feels awkward when you want to give her a solution, but yet you're sitting there and you're listening. It's awkward sometimes and it doesn't come natural. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it more natural to you. That you'll understand that it's time to unlock each other's hearts. Because that's what you'll do when you'll meet each other's deepest need. So ladies, we want to help you a little bit today. We want to help you help us today. Because in helping you help us, you'll be amazed what you will receive in return. But again, that should never be the motive. But rather you do it because that was what God requires from each one of us to love and to respect. So ladies, let me begin by saying it this way. It's not really what you say is the problem. And all the ladies went, it's not really what you say that's the problem. But it's how you say it. It's how you say it. Let me try and explain it this way. I pray that you haven't had a fight lately. But if you've had a strong disagreement or you've had a fight with your husband lately, one thing I encourage you to do, why not try this, ladies, if you've ever gone or when you go home, I'd encourage you, go into the restroom, the bathroom, stand in front of the mirror and begin to reenact the way you acted or the way you responded to your husband. You know what? It's probably going to go something like this. Your eyes are going to darken and your brow's going to go down. Your face is going to get sour. You begin to point and you begin to scold. And you put your hands on the hips and you begin to do all this kind of stuff. And you're going like this. What is happening? In other words, there's a lot going on. You think all you're doing is disagreeing with them, but there's a whole lot more that's going on. It's not just what you say. It's how you're saying it. Come on. And all the guys said, Amen. You wimps. I said, and all the guys said. There's facial expressions. There's body gestures. And blue, a male, the husband sees that as what? He reads from that message, literally, ladies, that I despise everything about you. Can you believe that? I mean, ladies, come on, let's be real. That's the message that he gets back. He feels like he's a little kid again being scolded by that headmistress or that teacher at school. That's just, And he feels so deflated by how you say those things. But here's the crazy part. Ladies, all you really want is to be reassured that he loves you. You've been damaged. You've been hurt. You just want reassurance. But what does he see it as? Confrontational. Ladies, soften your tone. 
just soften your tone a little bit. Yes, men bicker and they fight backwards and forwards. But you know what? My, men don't fight, fight with most of the time with gestures. Because when men start fighting with other men as gestures, come on, you could get hurt. Because it's a confrontational thing. Not wrong, just different. Men have an honor code, just like you have a love code. So what is a wife's respect? How can she respect a man? Here's what we're going to use to help show you that. It's chairs today. Just like couple for the ladies, it's chairs for the man. This is what spells respect to a man. It's conquest. It's hierarchy. It's authority. It's insight. It's relationship. And it is sexuality. And I know that they're not romantic things, and most of those on there are pretty foreign to a lady. But you've got to understand, that is a man's deepest need. If you've got that sheet, get it out again and fill in the blanks with me as we go through how a husband feels respect when his wife does the following. When a wife appreciates his desire to work and to achieve. That's conquest. When a wife appreciates his desire to provide and to protect. That's hierarchy. When a wife appreciates his desire to be strong and to lead, making the necessary decisions. Or making the decisions. That is authority. The fourth part that we will see is by appreciating his desire to analyze and to counsel. To analyze and to counsel. That's his insight. The sixth part is this, or the, is that right? The fifth part is this, by appreciating his desire for a shoulder-to-shoulder friendship. And the last part that we're going to talk about today is the sexuality part, and that is this, appreciating the fact That he has a desire and he wants to have sexual intimacy with you. So let's look at these in greater detail and greater depth this morning. Love and respect. Not wrong, just different. So let's look at conquest. Even that very word conquest makes a lady often feel, I knew it. Just like I thought. It's all about him. But really, is it really all about him? We're going to discover today that it's not. Genesis 2 and verse 15 says these words, Then the Lord took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. In other words, we see that God placed Adam in the garden to work. Did you catch that? God made man, Adam, to work. It's not a choice to him, but rather it's his God-given calling. You've got to understand that. Two men, when they meet each other for the first time, what is one of the first questions they will ask each other after they have established each other's name? What do you do for a living? What do you do for a job? Why? Because that's a man's calling. A man finds respect in being able to fulfill his calling in the realm of being able to work and to achieve for his family. 
Let's go back to the Garden of Eden, if we can, for a few seconds. So we understand that, first of all, God made Adam. He made him to work to keep the garden. But then God made Eve. Some people have said that God took man's mold and he perfected it and he made a woman. And all the ladies said, Amen. I don't know if that's true. But whatever, God made woman for man. And man, he gave to the woman. But what, and for what reason did God give the woman to the man? God did not give the woman to the man to work. And I'm not saying, ladies, that you shouldn't be in the work field. That's not what I'm saying. But I want you to see the design that God had for women. And that was this, to be man's helpmate, to be caught alongside, or to be by his side. In other words, God created man with a person, a woman, to stand beside him, to believe in him, to support who he is, his nature and what he does, his work and achievement. God created a woman to literally be a cheerleader for man. Think about it when you look at all these high schools and different things. If it wasn't for the fact they needed people to throw the girls high in the air and hold them, there probably wouldn't be hardly any guys that would be cheerleaders. If you were a male cheerleader, then I'm sorry, but I don't think it's a very masculine thing to be. Just my say and my opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion and everyone said amen. Okay? But remember, ladies, when you were dating. Remember when you were dating your husband. And he talked about the dreams that one day, perhaps it was when you were younger and one day he dreamed of being, you know, a movie star or he dreamed about being in the NBA and he dreamed about doing this and he was going to go to the moon and he was going to go to that. What did you say to him when you were dating? You just looked at him with those big eyes and say, if you want to go to the moon, I'm going to go with you. Come on, everything he said, you didn't look at him and said, fool, you're stupid. Just get a job and support me. You looked at him with his dreams and his goals and you looked at him and that made you fall even more in love with him. Even if they weren't perhaps realistic goals, you just felt, I'm going to support him. I'm going to be his cheerleader. Rah, rah, rah. I'm there supporting him and pushing him on. Because that's Red's nature, to support, to be there, to encourage. But three kids later, and being married for 10 plus years, what's happened? Ladies, you're no longer supporting his dreams. You're no longer cheering him on. Now you just get mad when he's never home. You just get mad with him when he's never spending time with the kids and how he doesn't care about his family and how he just stays away all day and has fun. It's amazing to me that Red sees work as being a place of fun because you're away from the kids, the responsibility. So all you're doing is you're just at work and you're having fun. Ladies, listen to me. Because of man's God-given nature is to work and to achieve. A man feels called outside of the home to support his family and to be there. 
And when you look and say, you're never home, you don't care, and all these kind of things. And, and please understand me, there's fine lines there. Guys, you need to spend time with your wives. And, and this is one thing that I teach with my leaders a lot. Don't bankrupt yourself at your job. What do I mean by that? Don't give every energy that you have that when you come home, you've got no time for your kids and for your wife. Prioritize your time. Use your time wisely. And I didn't say slack at your work. I said give that your energies, but also have enough energies left for your families. And let me present it this way. You see, ladies, you're literally attacking a calling that man has. And you may say, that's crazy. That's not true. You're looking through red. Just hear us through blue for a few moments, if you could. Because I wanted to explain what I call call versus freedom or choice. Call versus freedom. In the home, the woman has a choice whether she works or not. If she wants to stay home with her kids... Or she wants to stay home and have no kids. That's a choice that she has. That's her freedom. Man does not have that same choice. Because if a man doesn't work and provide for his family, he is labeled as being irresponsible and no good. Come on, help me out in the house. He's labeled as being irresponsible and no God. Good. Tim Allen, the comedian, said it this way. He said, ladies have so many choices. They can stay at home and have kids. They can stay at home and have no kids. They can go to work and have no kids. They can go to work and have kids. The choices are endless for a lady where he says men have two choices, and that is this. You either work or you go to jail. It's the truth. We don't have the choice. Believe me, guys, and I know that you hear me when I say this because I know this. We don't want to be separated from our families. We don't like not being there for the field trips and for all the ball games and we can't see all the pageants and we can't see all the awards. We don't like missing out on those things. But yet there's another side, there's a calling inside of us that says, I must work and I must achieve and I must provide for my family. But you know what has tended to happen as a result of that calling in our homes is that a man so often just feels that he is nothing more than a meal ticket. Why is that? Because of the response, the reaction, what he gets as he's out there. I don't think there's one guy who's a good-willed man that would turn around and say he would rather be working than watching his kids play ball. I don't believe there is a good-willed man out there that said he wished he could be working 12 and 15 hours a day so he didn't have to be home with his kids. We think about you. We want to be there. But then there's another thought that drives us, and that is this. We want to put a roof over their heads and clothes on their backs and food in their stomachs. It's a calling that we have. So what happens when he feels like he's just a meal ticket? He feels unappreciated for his contributions and even the sacrifices that he's making for his families. Listen to me, ladies. Perhaps your husband is reacting unlovingly to you because he feels little respect for all the long hours that he puts in at work. Why not begin to cheer him on again? Why not begin to support him? Don't condemn him. Why? Because... Because in condemning him, you're going to deflate his spirit. When is the last time, ladies, you affirmed your husband? When is the last time that you are once again his number one supporter? Because at the end of the day, it's only your opinion that matters to him. 
He can have people calling him boss. He can have people looking up to him all day, wherever he goes. He's in a place of authority. He can have all, but at the end of the day, the only voice and the only opinion that really matters to him is the one that he loves and wants to cherish. When you start attacking him for his calling, what happens? He's deflated and he'll react in an unloving way. The crazy cycle once again begins. I wonder how much better our marriages would be if we stopped sending unintended messages. Think about that. So we've got conquest. The next part of the journey of respect is hierarchy. And ladies, I know you're feeling it. We're getting really romantic right here and it's getting really heavy in the house right now. But he feels respect when his desire to provide and protect is being noticed. Trust me, a good-willed man is not trying to be a control freak and change everything. He just feels it's his responsibility, just like it's his calling to work and achieve. He feels it's also his responsibility to be the head of his home and the man of his castle. You see, it's amazing. Most of the ways that men think is men think in the realm of ranking. In the military and stuff, which is predominantly a male place. And I know there's ladies in the military now, but when the military began, there were not women who were in the military. They have positions of ranking. Guys work best in the realm of ranking. They understand that. That's something that just comes almost second nature to them. So when he's taken responsibility, he's so often misunderstood as trying to be the sergeant major to a lady where he just realizes that's his responsibility, that's his place, that's where God has placed him. And you see, ladies, when you confront him to connect, because that's your cry, your cry is, I want to be noticed, I want to be loved. You're not just lashing out to make his life hell, you're trying to connect, you're trying to make him see your redness. But what happens as you try to connect to him by controlling him? He reads that connection that confrontation as you trying to control him. So when you confront him to try and connect, he's turning around and saying, hold on a second, she's coming at me because she wants to control. She wants to be in charge. He takes that, that you're trying to wear the pants in the family. So when you don't respect his position, his responsibility, it breaks once again his spirit. When we're coming at the same thing from red and blue, it's so easy to be misunderstood. Why? Because when we only see red, we see he's a control freak. But when we see through blue, he's saying, it's my nature. This is how God made me to be responsible to be the head of my home. Notice, ladies, if a burglar comes into your house, your husband doesn't say, Sally, go and get him. What does he do? He protects his wife. He protects his... Why? Without even thinking that is his God-given instinct. Why? Because he has been given the position of responsibility in the home. Ladies, we don't want to dominate. Men don't want to dominate. We just want to be able to be responsible. God gives that responsibility to us in Ephesians chapter 5 and 23. It says, for the husband is the head of his wife, 
as Christ is the head of the church and he is the saviour of that body. We didn't write that, ladies. Come on, we didn't write that. We didn't turn around and say, God, can you do us all a favour? Can you put us in charge? I think sometimes it would be great to not have to be in charge. But that's our nature. That's our responsibility. That's what God has given us. And ladies, when you don't respect and honour him for that, you're going to crush him and he will never be the man that showers you with the love that you need. You've got to see this. You've got to hear this. You've got you've to understand this today. Red is always going to see different to blue unless we begin to decode and read between the lines and understand he's not, she's not lashing out. There's a cry in there for love. There's a cry in there to be respected and to be understood. You've got to start seeing your husband for what God has called him to be and that is responsible to provide and protect. And let me tell you this, guys, if you are not being responsible in your home, then you better start getting responsible. You start, better start being the head because if you don't get it right, it's going to be wrong in your children and in your children's children. Come on, we've got to get it right for the sake of our future generations. A man doesn't wake up in the morning and says, how many ways today can I control my wife? But when you think through red, he's trying to control you, it's his cry that says, will you respect me for the position that God has placed me in? What do you think happens to the heart of a husband who is viewed by his wife as not being a good enough provider? You know how statistics, I wish I had the actual statistics, but it's amazing how many men so quickly die after they retire from their job. Because all of a sudden, it seems like their reason has gone. Their ability to provide and protect is gone. Why? Because it's a desire that God has placed inside of them. Maybe your husband isn't a good enough provider. Maybe he lacks in those areas. And even if he does struggle here, ladies, begin to praise him for at least what he does do. Begin to build his spirit. Begin to build and begin to energize him. The energizing cycle. Why? Because your love or his respect motivates your love and your love motivates his respect. Put your marriage on the energizing cycle. He may not be everything that you want him to be, but start speaking that into existence. Start speaking that into his life. Start breaking that cycle. Listen to me today. I love this saying. I heard it this week. There has got to be a rose here because I just got pricked by a thorn. There's got to be truth here because it's hidden us. It's pricking our hearts. Some of you are sitting here and guys, I hope you're not saying, preach it, Philip, because she really needs to hear this. But I hope that we are responding in the right way. Saying, yes, she does need to hear this, but I need to hear this too. Why? Because I need to love her as much as she needs to respect Ladies, you've got to see our needs. It's not wrong, it's just different. A man is energized, not by legally blonde. He doesn't like watching movies like that. Doesn't inspire a man to go and see a chick flick and all the guys said, amen. Men want to go and see Saving Private Ryan, Gladiator. They want to see movies like that, unless you're Chip and he wants to see, what is it, Chip, you like? Dumb and Dumber, unless you're Chip and he likes Dumb and Dumber. But men like the conquest. They like fighting for the, a cause, a nature that even though they don't, they're forced. That's just a man's nature. Don't crush his spirit. 
The next thing that we see in a man is he wants authority. Watch out. Don't misunderstand that word. It's not dictatorship that we're talking about. But by appreciating his desire to be strong and to lead and to make the decisions. It's amazing how many ladies that you would poll, even in the church, that turn around and say this. All I want is for my husband to be strong and make the decisions. I wish my husband would make the decisions in our home. What's behind, though, that statement? Is it really that you want your husband to make the decisions? Or is it the fact that every decision he has made, you shoot him down in and you say that's wrong and it's not good enough? Are you saying, I want my husband to make decisions? Or are you saying, I want my husband to start making the decisions as I see them should be? Come on, we've got to hear this today. You want him to make the decisions, but then you do whatever it takes to go against what he decides. And then you wonder why he no longer steps up. to make. He can't handle that. His spirit is crushed. He's been wounded by that. Every time that happens, he feels that he has no place. His authority has been taken from him. Simple illustration. I used this before when I spoke on this. We went to the movies two years ago. And we went out to eat before the movies. And I said to Luke, son, if you don't eat your food, you're not going to get any popcorn. Because he turned around and said, I'm not hungry. But I know what it is with kids. They're not hungry, but can I go and get a snack? Well, if you're not hungry, that means you're not hungry. Come on. Parents, our philosophy of hunger is different to our kids. They just mean I'm not hungry for the good stuff. I just want the bad stuff. So I said to Luke, you're not getting any popcorn. I thought Kelly heard me. She goes to the movies. We went in to get the seats. And in comes Kelly with all the packs of popcorn for all the kids. Kelly didn't know. She handed it to Luke. But Luke sure knew. And he looked at me square in the eyes and he goes. (laughs) To a lady, she turns around and says, what's the deal? To a guy, I could not enjoy the rest of that movie because I felt my authority had been belittled and had been denied. Seriously, I was mad the whole movie. Kelly tried to hold my hand and I wouldn't hold it. I was the immature one that day, I will admit it. I was proven a point. You like this movie? No. What movie? I wasn't enjoying it at all. But you see, a lady looks through red and says, well, that's just crazy, get over it. To a guy, there's more. It's not that he's trying to be this dictator or whatever, but he's trying to be in a position where he is respected for what he is. You see, the key to a successful marriage, they've told us for years, is communication. But is it really communication or is it perhaps mutual agreement? Think about that. It must be understood in the home that a man has 51% of the control. He's not asking for 100%. 51% is the majority rule. It's only 1%, but it makes a big difference. Leadership 101 tells us this, that if you take a man and you offer him a position of a salary of $2 million a year to be responsible and run a company, and if he handles it in the right way and he's responsible in what he does, there's a $10 million bonus at the end of it, and you would ask a guy, do you want the job? How many guys know it doesn't take a whole lot of thinking to come up with that thought? Yes, I want the job. But they say, hold on a second, before you accept the job, There's one other thing that you must understand, and that is this. 
You are responsible, but you have authority to do nothing. What has happened in that situation? That man has been set up to fail. Because if he's given responsibility and no authority, he cannot accomplish anything. Ladies, you want your husband to make the decisions. You don't know how many times I've heard ladies say, if only my husband was the spiritual leader in our house. Well, don't set him up for failure. I said, don't set him up for failure. Because if you want him to take responsibility, you also need to give him the authority to be able to do that. His responsibility must also have equal authority. Why not go on the record, ladies, and turn around saying, you know what? I want you to have control. Because that's where God wants our marriage to be. You've got 51% of the responsibility. You've got 51% of the control. You see, because in your marriage, there has to be a leader. Listen to me. Again, this isn't something that we wrote. It's not easy for us sometimes to say, no! And that's the final decision. When we know it, it makes everyone else upset and they don't understand. It's not easy for us. But because of the conquest, because of the hierarchy, because of the calling, because of our nature, because of the responsibility that we feel, that's just how we have to be. The man needs to be the leader. He needs to be the head of the home. That's why there's so many problems in our world today, because the man is not in charge of his home. But notice this. A good leader, a good husband who's an authority and has responsibility in his home. He discusses with the others in the home. He listens to their views too. And what does he do? He takes that information and together comes to not an agreement in compromise, but rather comes to the place where he knows the decisions he makes are going to be the best decisions for all of his home. Kelly and I agreed when we got married that I would handle all the major decisions and that she would handle all the minor decisions. Kelly and I, and and it's worked great. We've been married now for two and a half years and we haven't had a major decision yet. (laughs) Sweetheart, is that a major? No, there's still a minor one, Philip. I can take care of it. Only playing. But come to an agreement. Understand this. It's not a 100% rule. 51% has the majority. But if you want him to be responsible, you can turn around and say, I wish he'd take charge. Well, how are you responding to that? Are you giving him equal authority to the responsibility that you want? Think about that. Stay with me. I know this is a lot to cover today. And ladies, perhaps you still see us as being on an ego trip. We're not. It's how God made us. Moving along quickly, insight, by appreciating his desire to analyze and counsel. When a guy's got a problem, he goes to someone at work or he goes to someone who he knows can help him. And he says to him, listen, I'm having a problem here. Can you help me? And what would the other guy say? The other guy would turn around and say, well, have you tried this? What about this and that? And what does the guy turn around and say? You are brilliant. A guy doesn't turn to another guy that he's come to with a problem and said, I'm tired of you. All you want to do is just fix me. A guy doesn't say that. That doesn't even enter his mind. You see, he's just wishing he went and asked two weeks earlier. 
Because he would have had the solution before now. But you see, guys, when we try to give a solution to our wives, what is the reply? All you want to do is just fix me. We talked about that in understanding. It's a part of C-O-U-P-L-E, how a lady spells love. But you see, you've got to understand this. Men are solution orientated. They see more through black and white, where women tend to allow their feelings to come into the equation too, thus making the picture tie-dye. Black and white, tie-dye. Everything's molded and melted into everything else. Ladies in the home, permit your husband to share his insight. Learn to value his insight, his input, his solution orientation. If not, he'll never go there. You'll crush his spirit and he'll completely shut down. And you wonder why he doesn't act in a loving way. He's solution orientated. That's just how we are. We look at things and think of a a problem or how we can solve a problem sometimes before even the problem has come. That's how we are. We think ahead. Not wrong, just different. And listen to me, ladies. We're not saying for one second we have all the answers. But because of our insight is to be solution-orientated, all we're trying to do is not try to fix you. We're just trying to help the one we love. Understand that. It's not an attack. It's blue. But you're seeing it through red. We're speaking it through blue, but you're hearing it through red. Understand it's insight. The next part we see is relationship. He wants a wife to appreciate his desire for a shoulder-to-shoulder friendship. He doesn't want that FaceTime. He wants shoulder-to-shoulder friendship. If you would talk to a guy, most of the reasons they fell in love with a girl was because they liked them first. They thought they were a great friend. They liked them. And as a result of that like, that friendship, they fell in love with them. Song of Solomon 5 verse 1 talks about this. It talks about men. What? It talks about being in a relationship where what? Where my spouse, where we have loved each other and become friends. It talks about loving and friendship. To which she replies in verse 16 of that chapter. Yes, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my my friend. Love and friendship. It's amazing how many marriages are very unfriendly. I didn't say unloving. I said unfriendly. Titus 2 verse 4 says these words, that they admonished the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. The word for love there is not agape, which is unconditional. The word love there is philo, which means a fondness or a friendship. So really what is said in that verse is this. Women, be friendly to your husband. Women, be friends with your kids. Come on, try it. Ask the kids, does mummy love you? Yeah. Does mummy like you? Not today. Come on, some kids feel like that. Mummy doesn't like me today. I've done wrong. 
But remember back to the date and you're his cheerleader. You're his best friend. You're there. You're supporting him in everything that he does. Listen, ladies, his desires have not changed. His needs are still the same. Yes, the circumstances have changed. There's kids. There's added responsibility. There's all these kind of things. But guess what? His need for that friendship, that support and that love is there. He will be energized by your presence. Listen to this, ladies, without talking. And all the guys said, you big wimps. He's energized by your presence without talking. And listen to me, ladies. When a husband begins to feel energized, watch out. Because he's going to start opening up. And giving you some of that C-O-U-P-L-E. That closeness, openness, understanding, peacemaking, loyalty and esteem. The love that you need. When two guys go off hunting, they can go for a whole weekend. What's the first question when a wife asks when he comes in? So what did you talk about all weekend? What has he said? What's he going on? His reply is, nothing. Hold on a second. Your wife can't understand. You've been gone for three days and you talked about nothing? Nothing. You mean he didn't tell you that Mary's pregnant? Mary's pregnant? I didn't know that. A lady can't understand that. Why? Because before they're like 10 miles down the street, they already know everything about what's going on in each other's lives. For the next three days, they just reiterate and spiderweb it a little bit. Guys are different. Why they get energized through shoulder-to-shoulder time, going and playing golf. It's not the greatest social thing in the world, but just sitting there and being beside each other, fishing, hunting, all the things that men like to do. It's more shoulder-to-shoulder time. Just being there. He's energized when you are there. Ladies, try this. When he's outside washing the car or he's mowing the yard, why not just sit out there and just watch him? Gets energized by that. He's cutting the grass and he sees you there and he's kind of, kind of, that's his first. Then when he comes back again, then he comes back again and he's kind of, What's happening? He's feeling energized. He's washing the car and he sees you there and he's... He's energized. Come on, guys. This is not the truth. We're energized by the fact that you're just there. Not talking to us. Just enjoying us. Being a friend and supporting us in what we do. Perhaps you need to decode what he's saying. If you think he's reacting in an unloving way, is it that? Or does he feel that you don't like him? If we were to ask most guys in here, and I know that you've already wimped out on me twice, so you're going to wimp out me on the third time, but most guys in here would probably put their hand up and say, I know my wife likes, loves me, but I'm not quite sure that she likes me today. You've got to energize each other. Different needs, not wrong, just different. He needs friendship as well as love. It's been proven that men have fond feelings of affection in their hearts towards a wife when she seeks to be with him. Without talking. I'm almost finished today. Shoulder to shoulder time. Relationship. Last thing we want to talk about is sexuality. By appreciating his desire for sexual intimacy. I scared Tammy this week. She came to me before church and she said, please tell me you gave me the wrong verse. I says, no, Tammy, it's the right verse. She said, Philip, I've been struggling with this all week. How are you going to bring this into your message? Well, let's see if I can do a job. Proverbs 5 verse 19 says, As a loving deer and as a graceful doe, 
Let her breasts satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. Let me state the obvious here. Men are visually orientated. Notice how she got that off the screen really quick right there. Real quick. But men are visually orientated. You're not going to find in the Bible, let his breasts satisfy you, ladies. That's sick. That's sick. But a guy is what? Visually orientated. But what you've got to understand, ladies, as a result of our visual orientation, that is both a struggle and a joy to us. I said that's both a struggle and a joy. Now, men, you should never use this as an excuse and say, well, that's just how God may be. I, I don't believe we should ever use that as an excuse, but we've got to understand that men are wired differently when it comes to sexual behaviors. Are you with me over there? Samantha's losing it over there. <laughs> Ladies, your husband needs sexual release just as much as you need emotional release. It's just how God made us. We're not wrong. We're just different. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5. Paul is talking and teaching and he says these words to husband and wives. Do not deprive one another. Speaking sexually. Except with consent for a time. That you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. And then come together again. So that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of control. What does he say? Don't deprive each other except for mutual agreement. But when it's been mutually agreed, come back together after time. Why? Because if not, Satan will tempt you because of your lack of self-control. If you would read verse 3 and 4, and we haven't got time, but it goes on to speak about a wife's body is not her own. In the same way, a husband's body is not his own, but our bodies now are each other's. We literally give each other ourselves. So what did we just read? Stop depriving each other. Your husband has needs that perhaps you don't need. But the question is this, is it okay that we have needs just like you have needs that the other does not have? Of course it is. Why? Male and female. God made us that way. Pink and blue or red and blue. We didn't ask for it. That's how God made us. And I'm not trying to preach something that's just making an excuse for how guys behave and how they act. This is how God made us. Your husband has different needs. And I know I'm saying some things today that may be uncomfortable. I realize that. But that's why I'm trying to say them right today. But there are truths that we must unlock because red and blue, if not, will see different. We will throw ourselves on a crazy psyche and we'll live there and we will negatively respond to each other for the rest of our lives. Listen, you think a guy wants to be viewed as all you want is sex? That's all you want. That's all men are about. The world has taken that and sure has perverted that. And in some cases, that is exactly all men want. But we're talking about good-willed men that love their wives, that want to be with them. What do you think can happen when a husband, or for that manner, a wife, is deprived sexually? What do you think can happen in a situation like that? 
Well, if you don't want to answer that, we just read the answer in the passage. We just read that Satan will tempt us and begin to work on the area of lack of self control in our lives. You see, ladies, when a husband's eyes are not being satisfied at the home, there's plenty that's trying to steal his attention outside of the home. He doesn't even have to go looking for it now. It's everywhere. Some of the commercials they have, and I've got to go on record as saying this, I think the commercials this Super Bowl were so crude and vulgar and rude, and every one of them had some sexual connotation in it. It's ridiculous. But it tries to make men look like an animal. One of them was when, I think it's the Pepsi commercial, and she's sitting there, and you're reading her mind, and it's saying, hey, I wonder if he's got a good job. And, what, and all he's saying is, I want to sleep with her, I want to sleep with her, I want to sleep with her, I want to sleep with her. They've perverted that and made it look like that. Yes, there's a drive inside of us, but you know what? That drive is to bring us closer together, to heal our marriages. Dr. Emerson in the Love and Respect series gives a great example that I'm going to use today. That when the husband is at the workplace, he's at the water fountain. And all of a sudden, a lady walks up to the water fountain with a low-cut top on and she bends down in front of him to drink and he gets an eyeful. He doesn't ask for it, he just gets it. So when he goes home to his wife and she asks him how his day is, he says, you just can't believe this. There's this lady at work. She came to the water fountain. He's trying to be a friend to her. He's having that community. He's just trying to be open. She wants him to be open. He's trying to open. You can't believe this. This lady came to the water fountain. And she bent down and I saw everything. What happens? She goes ballistic. Why does she go ballistic? Because she's reading this situation in red. Here's what a lady reads through just those few things that he said. That she would never have sexual feelings for anybody unless there was a lot of time spent together, much talking, discussion, touch and tenderness. And she blasts him. He never said he had sexual feelings towards her. All he said is that he saw something that he didn't want to see. And here's the facts, ladies. That's the first time he perhaps saw her. And he doesn't even know her name. But what does red do? Red jumps straight to wrong conclusions. Why? Because of the vulnerabilities that perhaps we have in those areas. Can we break through our redness and blueness to begin to see each other's needs? We've got to break this craziness. Yes, he's visually orientated. Yes, he responds to what he sees. And it's a struggle that we have to fight through. We don't always like it, and we certainly don't want to respond to it in the wrong way, but we do. It's amazing. One illustration more, and then I'm going to close today. It's amazing when a husband walks into the bathroom and his wife comes out of the shower, he kind of stands there and smiles. He's enjoying what he's seeing. But what happens when a husband walks out of the shower and the wife's standing there? For goodness sake, get a towel. You're soaking the floor. That's disgusting. Hurry up. Not wrong. Just different. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Ladies, you know, if you want to do something very special for your husband, why not instigate sexual intimacy sometime? Because a guy feels that if he has to beg for it all the time, that he's not getting the respect 
and the honor that he needs. You know, we can look at these things and the lady said, that's kind of crazy. Yes, perhaps. But guys, how many would lift up your hand and say, Pastor, you've talked about us today. Come on. Three of you. Well, if I was in England, everyone would be real men and they would have their hands up. So let me ask you again. How many guys would say, you've talked, Dale is with me. Dale, we are in it together. Mike's just brave because Kathy's not here with him today. Send a CD home and go on record. He was standing up and down, jumping on his chair, Miss Kathy. But as I close today, I want to ask you this. In this series that we've covered, and I know we've covered some touchy things. I know we've covered some perhaps embarrassing things. Sorry, Sam. And I know that we've perhaps covered some hard things. But here's the question today. What are you going to do with this information? What are you going to do with this information that you have discovered and learned over the past few weeks? Are you going to punish your spouse with it? Did you hear me? Are you going to punish your spouse with it? By killing and crushing their spirits completely? By saying, see, you're this and that. And Pastor Philip says, you need to do that. Are you going to crush their spirit? Are you going to use it to punish them? Or are you going to turn around and say, I'm going to look for ways that I can bridge the gaps. I'm going to look for ways that I can mend the wounds because we've got some wounds in our relationship that if they don't heal soon, they're going to fester and they're going to grow out of control. What we've discussed is not a quick fix. Why? Because it's going to take a lot of work and dedication. But I'm telling you this, it will change your marriage if you give it time. The reality is this, we both have been wrong. And therefore, we both need to decode each other. Yes, he needs chairs, conquest, hierarchy, authority, insight, respect, or relationship rather, and sexuality. But yet, she still needs closeness, openness, understanding, peacemaking, loyalty. She needs esteem. Ladies, start honoring your husbands through meeting his deepest need. Husbands, start cherishing your wife and loving her through meeting her deepest need. Red, blue, love, respect. But if you put red and blue together, red and blue makes purple. And you know what purple is? It's the color of royalty used in reference as the color of God. You see, when we love each other red, when we respect each other blue, and we bring that together, you know what happens? Purple. We show the image of God through our relationship. An image that our children will see. An image that our neighbors will see. An image that will change our church church, our workplaces, everywhere we're at. Come on, your marriage, when we start seeing love and respect, will show forth the image and the likeness of God. Not wrong. We're just different. But different by God's design. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. 
We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsea's Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.